there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. If you call 911, usually when you would call 911, they would say, 911, what's your emergency? Right, And then you would state whatever your emergency is, and we need help here, somebody got into a car accident, whatever that looks like, you know, you call them. And then usually at some point in time, the operator will tell you who's been dispatched to that location, right? And they would say, don't worry, sir, or don't worry, ma'am, help is on the way. Well, that's exactly the kind of report I want to give back to you and tell you this morning, hope. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. Now, I originally started titling this message um, Words of Life, but this message was so big that it's actually a two-parter thought. And, And the first part of that thought here this morning is about hope. And I want to tell you, hope is on the way. Sometimes we can feel emotions, right, that... uh, we can feel sad. I noticed that in, in cartoons, even cartoon movies, uh, everything's had emotions. You realize that back in the day, you know, when Toy Story first came out, toys had emotions, right? And then cars came out. Apparently cars have emotions. And then there was a movie that came out about the, the things going on in the girl's head, reminds it, and apparently emotions have emotions, Right? What was that movie called? Inside Out. Inside Out, thank you. So everything's got emotions, right? Toys and cars and all these things. But the truth is that we as human beings, we have emotions. And God is not separate or asking you to separate your emotions when you seek him. In fact, those emotions in some way are indicators, right, of God maybe doing something in your life. I was talking to a couple gentlemen this weekend when we were at the men's conference and some of them were moved and they were saying, I feel something. And I'm like, listen, that's just your body reacting to what the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life. And don't fight that. Embrace it. Right? Some people want to go stoic and I understand. Some people are like, well, God, it should, we should logically, we should pursue God. And you know what? Some people can see God like this. And that's okay. Me? I don't know if it's part because I'm, I'm a, uh, I believe in Jesus and I love Jesus. I don't know if it's part because I'm just Puerto Rican and I just love to express myself. Right? I don't know which one it is, but I know that I passionately want to see Jesus lifted high. And so however that comes out in my life, I want to, sometimes I lift my hand, wave my hand. Sometimes I'm quiet. Sometimes I, I seek him and, and I'm on my face and sometimes I'm just standing like this. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter as much as what's going on inside. Amen? Everybody in this room is different. So when we look at that, what we do expect is people to respond to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So obedience is in the response. Jeremiah 17 tells us this, though. We got to be very careful because Jeremiah, uh, while the world says, follow your heart. I say, don't 
follow your heart. Why? Because Jeremiah is very clear that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? You know why? Because we are often stirred by what we feel instead of stirred by what we know to be true in God's word. Are you hearing me? I want to talk to you about what the word of God tells us to hold on to. So Jeremiah 17.9 makes it very clear that when we understand that the human heart is the most deceitful, thank you, and the most desperately wicked, who could really know God's word and not decipher that there's a dis discrepancy between God's word and what I'm feeling sometimes? You know God longer than five minutes, you realize that sometimes I feel feelings. Look at me now. Sometimes I feel feelings that's not scriptural. So to say, tell to someone, follow your heart, it's bad advice. Don't ever give someone advice to follow your heart. Now, I know that people say this with good intentions, right? Because some of us in this room have said that even with good intentions, right? You say, you know, just follow your heart. Well, the problem is that our heart shouldn't be our heart. If you're going to give advice about heart, then you can say it like this. You know, you don't know what to pray right now, then follow God's heart. That's a little bit more appropriate for someone that would say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Are you following me? So when we, when we come to the place where we say, uh, Lord, I need hope, we often are, uh, there's a chatterbox happening. There's something happening in our ears, and everyone's got an opinion. Everything's happening. Somebody's got to say something about this and say something about whose word are you going to believe? And so when I talk about words of life, my text this morning coming out of John 6, I love this text, but I wanted to set the precedence right off the bat. The words of life are not found in your feelings. The world wants to say, it doesn't feel right, so I'm not going to do it. I feel uncomfortable, so I don't... You just heard it even with the testimonies earlier, right? I felt uncomfortable. It felt uneasy. I, I didn't feel like I was in my comfort zone. If you waited till you felt like that's what you should be doing, nobody in this room will be serving Jesus. Because our flesh is not who we're consulting on this. Your flesh should not be the consultant that you're going to to ask whether or not I feel like praying today. Right? Should I pray today? Let me see how I feel. I feel tired. I feel weary. I've come to the hypothesis. I will not pray. Truth is, when this feeling that we have comes upon us, we have to choose whether we're going to be uh, led by our faith or led by our feelings. And so here's what I'm talking about. I want to give some context to the text I'm about to read because in order to understand a portion of text, you have to understand the context and where it's, what's happening around it. I mentioned it earlier, Jesus feeds 5,000, then he walks on water, 
Then he gets away for a few moments. People come to him and they like say, and he then tells them, listen, you sought me for the wrong reasons. If you really sought me, you realize that I am the bread of life. And if you feast on me, I will give you what nobody will ever give you and you will never be hungry again. What is that? Is that a physical thing? No, it's not a physical thing at all. Because one thing I learned in the last few days is that we have a sin problem and sin is a spiritual issue which can only be resolved in a spiritual uh, resolution. It can only happen spiritually. Are you ready? So here's what I'm saying. He says, listen, you are seeking physical bread and that's not going to satisfy you. Seek me. I am the bread of life. I am the spiritual bread you need. And everything that I give you, you'll never need anything like that again. Because I am all sufficient, all knowing, all powerful, all you need. Tell your neighbor right now, he's all you need. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, hope is on the way. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. Now watch this. He then goes on. Now, this is when it gets a little disturbing for the disciples and the people following Jesus. Right? He says this. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood and that you will have eternal life. Let's understand. First thing, he's speaking metaphorically here. Okay, let's make it very clear. That God is not about cannibalism here. Okay? He's not saying, hey, I love you. Come here so I can bite your shoulder off. No, no, no. He's trying to say, come to me and take from me. Because when you take from me, you'll never need anything else. But Pastor Tony, I follow Jesus and I still need to pay my bills and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. But, but Pastor Tony, I follow Jesus and, and I've been praying for a spouse. But, but Pastor Tony, I've been following Jesus and I've been praying this prayer. Listen, keep following. I don't have an answer for those things. Hello? But Pastor Tony, that's what you're pastor for. <laughs> you're close to the Father. Give me an answer. That's what we pay you for. No. Please, no. Don't depend on me for your word. You need to seek God for yourself and say, God, show me. But guess what? Don't forsake getting together because there could be something I say here that may touch your life. Hello? Listen to him. Right? There could be something said in this room. And listen, not just by me, not just by me, because I'm not the only one in this room with the Holy Spirit in my life. If you accept that Jesus, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is there already. How many can say amen for that? Amen. Holy Spirit lives in you. The moment you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He lives and abides in you. And here's what Jesus says. He says, he says look, in you, uh, he says this, my words are spirit and my words are life. I want you to hear that for a moment. You need to understand John chapter 6 verse 60 
Once Jesus said this, watch this, because he said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. The disciples were a little bit thrown off. And they said, quote, this is a hard teaching. Hello? How many would say the same thing? Raise your hand if you would say the same thing. If you're sitting with Jesus and you didn't, you know, he's not Jesus, the Messiah, Lord, resurrector yet. He's Jesus, the teacher, rabbi you've been following for three years. And you sit at the table and he says to you, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You would probably have a similar response. Jesus, I'm, I'm convinced that there are moments Jesus has to shock and awe us. How many ever get that? You realize that sometimes Jesus says some things that are like, whoa, hey, whoa. People get on guard real quick. Like, what, what do you mean by that? And this is one of those moments where all of a sudden the disciples are like, wait, this is a hard teaching. Verse 60, who can accept it? And he goes on to say this, aware that his disciples, first of all, aware. Jesus is aware that there are things that you don't understand. And he's not afraid of answering. He's not afraid of responding. Watch what he says. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Grumbling like, did he just say that? What is he talking about? Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? And then he goes on to say this. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Again, it's another lesson on you're going to constantly be uh, combating your spirit. Everybody got a spirit? Raise your hand if you got a spirit. Everybody got a spirit. Raise your hand if you got a flesh. Well, you got one right now. You're raising it. Good, right? So you have flesh and you have spirit. Guess what's going to always battle? Flesh, spirit. Flesh, spirit. Now, you got to make a choice daily which one you will respond to. Not weekly, not on Sundays. Here's the problem. People do it on Sundays only. There are some that will only respond to the Spirit on Sundays on six days of damage. Did I say that? You got six days of irreputable damage to your soul and your spirit. And you come in here being like, somebody better have a word for me. Come on, kick the door down. Like this is some sort of Western. Bassetone, you better have a word for me. Pastor Alicia, you better sing a song I like. You, you walk up to the spiritual bar and you're like, Give me a Jesus culture, please. Make it stat. I need a hymn, stat. <laughs> Stop, you're not helping. You're not helping. We look at that and we think for some reason that, that God is your servant. And on six days, you've been doing what you want to do, and you think we can repair that in 90 plus minutes. 
if we add an extra song, maybe two hours. Whatever you think that somehow that small window of time, what about the other 160 plus hours during the week where you were doing what you want to do instead of what God wanted to do? I'm telling you, he says there's a spirit and there is a flesh. My spirit, the spirit that I speak from, because understand, Jesus only speaks with the Father is telling him to speak. The Holy Spirit only brings to your attention what the Father tells him to, right? And so we understand that in this, the Spirit gives life. The Spirit is all about life. Even when he convicts you, come on, look at me. Even when he convicts you, he's about life. Even when you feel badly about something you did wrong, listen, that's life. That's life-giving. He's drawing you. You know who I get really worried about? People who no longer feel bad about doing bad. Those are the people that I go, be aware, be very aware of when you do wrong and you do sin and you feel nothing about it. Now hear me. The words I give you, he says in verse 63, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. He goes on to say, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say this. These words are found in red. You should listen. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father enabled them. Why? Because people come to the father on their own terms and that's why they get offended. Because the Spirit is not showing them. That's not because the Spirit doesn't want to, but because they don't want the Spirit to show them conviction. You hear me? What is that talking about unless the Spirit draws them? Listen, when you come to Jesus, you should be saying, Lord, what is it that I come to you with that could stop me from hearing you? What he was rebuking was their mindset of coming to him free will. Like, in other words, I could do what I want to do in your presence because your grace is sufficient. You know what he's saying? Don't come to him thinking that somehow your flesh is going to be a, a, okay with you following the things of the spirit. It's because it won't. You follow what I'm saying here? Now check me for a moment. He says... That's why when the Holy Spirit draws you, he's telling you, pay attention to this. Some of you walked into this room this morning and the Lord started convicting you with something. The Lord started helping you draw to him. And some of you run from conviction. Don't run from conviction, church. Don't ever run from conviction. That conviction draws you to God. That conviction tells you, listen, there's something wrong that needs to be made right. You follow me? So when I talk about words of life, I'm talking about what Jesus is wanting for us to do. From this time, watch this now, from this time, many of the disciples, verse 66, turned back and get this, no longer followed. Come on, turn this in your Bible. If you have your Bible, turn here. John 6, 67, they no longer followed. You do not want, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter said something, oh my goodness. Turn with me there. John 6, 
68. When you got it, say, I got it. John 6, 68. If there was ever a moment where Peter said something that absolutely was timely, because <laughs> we know Peter, right? Peter would tend to be like off the cuff. He'd tend to say stuff like without filtering it. You ever met somebody that speaks out of turn? And you're like, did you not like pre-think that? Like, come on, don't point at nobody. I'm just asking, just not. Nobody pointing. Right? You ever met somebody that just off the cuff, they're just saying stuff like, what is going on with you? Like, why are you just talking? Like, did you ever think that through before you said it? Right? Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Peter was that kind of guy. But here's what he, when he says one thing right here, he says something that rocks everything he's ever said. Up until this point, I've been like, ow, oh, Peter, man, you should have really thought that through. This one was thought through because he got a principle. Here's what it says. John 6, 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Where are we going to go? I have options, but none of them are real options. Who's going to give me life? Who has life like you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because he's not just saying, I like following you, Jesus. I like following you, Jesus, Rabbi. I like following you, teacher. Oh, something a whole lot deeper happened. Peter opens his mouth and he says, who else has life? Who else has the words of life? Friend, look at me. There's a lot of people that look to be impressed by church services. Look to be impressed by church leadership. Look to be impressed by the worship team or this, that. Listen, at Freedom, we want to have everything be as welcoming as possible. In fact, we committed a whole wall to telling you you belong here, right? But at the end of the day, if you don't get served life by the word, you will die in your flesh. So when everything is done in this house, as a staff, as a leadership, you know what we ask ourselves? Lord, what is it that you will be honored by? If these projectors shut off, Guys, listen, we can't have service. Our projectors aren't working. People will be like, are you serious right now? <laughs> Guys, I'm really sorry. Um, the lights back here, they don't go red anymore. They only go green. Come back next week, we'll try to get the lights fixed. You would think I'm absolutely, not just superficial, but out of my mind, right? Because it's more than that. Why is it then that we get chipped up by those things that don't really matter. I'm not just talking about lights or projectors. Those things are tools. 
We could shut this. In fact, shut the screen off. Make it go black for a moment. Just make it go black. Okay, shut this background light off. Shut this background light off. I don't want it off. Is G- For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Is he still Lord? Is Jesus still Lord? Okay, so why do we get tripped up by the flesh so much in every other area of our life? You're not ruled by the flesh. You can only serve one master. Peter says, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. Stop living like God is subject to the tools around us. When in fact, every tool is subject to point to Jesus. And that means your trial. You know your trial can be a tool. Your trial can be a tool that you use to help somebody else. The thing that you went through. How many ever prayed for someone that went through something that you went through? And you're like, I know exactly how to pray for you. It hurt me. And I'm sure it hurts you. But I know how to pray now. I know how to pray. So. Peter says right right on the back, we have come to believe that you're the Holy One of God. Church, hear me. People desert what they no longer believe to be a sure bet. People left Jesus that day. Read your Bible. When he said for them to eat his blood, eat his flesh and drink his blood, they were like, wait, what? And then he starts to talk. They were like, okay, we're, we're done freaked out. Instead of asking God, what do you mean? Instead of asking Jesus, what do you mean? They run. They run because they don't understand. Church, stop running from the things you don't understand and let the Holy Spirit give you wisdom to understand it. The things of God will not come like this all of the time. You got to sometimes fast. You got to pray. You got to seek. And we will not be a church that microwaves Jesus as if somehow, some way, everything's going to be understood right away. If you understand everything that God does, your God is way too small and he's not the God of the Bible. Hello? If you understand all the ways of God, please, immediately after service, see me. I need to get counseling from you. Because even in being in Christ, for whom for the years, I still have questions of why you did this, God. Why did this happen? I'm not mad at him. I just want insight. And that's okay. They deserted him without even inquiring. Can I just share the story with you? Listen, here's, here's, here's a news flash. I don't have points for you today. I'm just going to make a point. And the point is that people desert what they no longer consider a sure bet. I'm going to go with the percentages. And the percentage is, I'm not sure I understand him anymore. And they left the Messiah. 
And you know what? He looked at his disciples like he looks to you today. Will you leave me too? Because many of you have people and you know somebody that left their walk of faith. Raise your hand if you know somebody that left their faith walk. Right? Hold it up high like you mean it. You committed, right? You know somebody? Well, guess what? Now Jesus looks to you and says, they left. Are you going to leave too? And the disciples were like, no. (laughs) Who has life? In you, all things are all things. Everything that we need is in you. So hope is the main word here this morning. And here it is. Hope is the atmosphere in which the impossible enters our atmosphere. Hope is the atmosphere in which the impossible enters our atmosphere. And he is hope. Did you know that there's hope in the Old Testament? Right? This is not just a New Testament thought. You know, I'm telling you, hope is a a surrounding theme in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me share with you some verses because Scripture points to a constant state of hope. Proverbs 24, 14 Know that the wisdom of such to your, is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. God says there's hope. Job, and you will feel secure because there is a hope. Come on, say it with me, hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. Psalm 39, 7, and now, O Lord, for what, for what do I wait? My Hope is in you. Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? He goes on to say this. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The Old Testament points to hope constantly. That's just a few verses. Then we move into the New Testament. Hope is there too. And we look at that and we say, you know what? Um, what just happened? Because we look at, uh, we look at numbers for a moment, and, and I won't go to the New Testament yet, but, but here is Numbers 13.32. You remember this? And, they, uh, uh, and, and the spies that went into the promised land? Do you remember that story? How many went in? Twelve, right? Twelve. Twelve came back. Ten of them were like, um, come out. These dudes are huge. They're giants, and we look like grasshoppers. But two of them were like, oh my goodness, that place is flowing with milk and honey. If they were Latino, they would have said, that place is flowing with penil y arroz and all this good stuff. Right? But for them in this context, he said, it's flowing with milk and honey. Why? Listen. The scripture never says that they had a conversation with the giants to say that they looked like grasshoppers. They had already decided in their head, we look like grasshoppers. We cannot go there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. How do you know what they seen? You assumed. Why? Because there was never a conversation recorded between the giants and the spies. The people that were there were reporting only what they thought, and they reported it 
back to the people. And guess what? The voices in your life can pull you from the promises of God. The wrong voices. Listen, where can I go? Your spirit, your word is spirit in their life. Everybody else's words are saying this. You can't go there. You can't do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The spies are like, we can't go there. There, it's too much. It's too much. The voices in your life will keep you from the promises of God. The voices in your life will keep you from the things that are not right. You need to be aware of the words. You need to be aware of the words you're hearing and the ones you're actually listening to. Did you know that there's a difference between hearing and listening? I hear a lot of things in my life, but I only listen to a few. I only take to heart and follow a few of those things. Now watch this. It's possible to be stopped by your own words too. Yes? God gave them a promise and they were stopped by their own words. While they were not caught by their enemies, they were caught by their own mindset. Right? They saw, they spotted, and they left. And when they came back to the camp, they were never caught by the giants. Scripture never says that, right? Scripture never says that the giants caught them, beat them to a pope, told them, you look like grasshoppers, and sent them back to their camp. No! It never says that. It says in their own eyes. In their own eyes. Friend, you are often limited by your eyesight, by what you see. God's people are limited by their vision for what God has for them. So, what am I talking about? Let me, real quick, here's hope in the New Testament. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace. 1 Peter 3.15, but your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for your Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what, it, what is the which he has called you. And 1 Peter last, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You know, I talk to a lot of people. I get messages here and there, Pastor Tony. I just feel like everything's hopeless. Can I share with you something? As long as Christ is Lord of all, there's always hope. There's always hope. I like what C.S. Lewis said, and I think we have this quote uh, um, on there, and he said this. You might want to take a shot of this and just read it later in depth, but hope is the one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world, listen to this, is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do, it does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most of the present, do the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Did you hear that? That last sentence rocked my face off. I'm reading this thing and I realize that the people that make the most impact in this world are the people that thought most of the next. Did you get that? Boom! 
Rome drops the hammer. Why? Because the people that make an impact and realize that heaven is real. Look at me, church. Heaven is real. God is real. The devil is real. Hell is real. Heaven, hell, God, Satan, all those things, real, not metaphorical. Did you hear that? Need you to hear that. Because there's some churches that teach that this is all just, no, it's real. It's real. There's a real heaven and a real hell. And that's why the people that do the most damage on a positive level to this earth, the people that heal the most, that help the most, that give the most. See, the federal government wants to stop the church from being the church. They want to stop our message, but they can never stop the love and hope we offer people. Never. There's always buzz about the, the church being stripped away of this right and that right. Guess what? You cannot strip Jesus of nothing. Nothing can be taken from God. Nada. Nothing. As long as you take the next world, the next life rather, seriously, this world, I can give up things in this world because I realize how important the next world is. Eternity, eternity? This world pales in comparison to eternity. That's why we can make a difference here. That's why we hope. Because in him, where can we go? Messiah, you are the words of life. Amen? So let me share this final thought here. Remember this. My thoughts cause feelings. My feelings provoke intentions. My intentions become actions. My actions form habits. My habits create a lifestyle. And it all stems from what? What's the first one? My thoughts. What's going to influence your thoughts more than anything? The word of God. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In you, I have life. How many can echo what Peter says? Listen, I tried a lot of things in this world. Where else can I go? You have the words of life. Amen? How many hear what I'm saying this morning? How many are encouraged by this thought? That in him are words of life. Amen? Amen? Listen. I want us to understand something, and I'll wrap up with this thought. His love is more powerful than your pain. His love transforms, his love gives, his love restores, his his love makes you whole. But guess what? His love fills every gap. Let me read you one more verse. Are you ready? Philippians. Philippians. I think we have this on the screen. I'm not sure. Philippians 2.5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Pastor Tony, that's a tall order. I was really good until you said that. I, don't, I can't have Jesus' attitude. He would never ask you to do something you couldn't do. Yes, you can. 
Stop lying to yourself. Stop believing the lie. You can have the, the attitude that is in Christ Jesus. Man, I got so much I want to say. I want to have to just kind of wrap it up there and I'll, I'll finish up another time. Next week, maybe. I just, I needed you to understand this that's in my heart. When Peter said this, it's almost like he was speaking for the entire church. No, 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 let me correct myself. He was speaking for the entire hungry church. Where can we go? Where can we go? In you, I find the words of life. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. All across this room, would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, thank you that in you we have life abundantly. Thank you that in you everything is put in perspective. Father, there are people that are going to walk away from you, the church, their faith. But when you turn and you ask me, I want to be able to say with all confidence, I have nowhere else to go. You hold the words of life. So I pray today, Lord Jesus, for every person at the sound of my voice, would you allow them, them, hmm, let them embrace your words that are life. You said it. Your spirits are spirit. Your words are spirit and they're life. So I pray today, let your word be spirit and life to us. Thank you, God, that there's no one like you. And I pray today that you would send hope because we know hope is on the way. If we just trust you and believe you, hope is on the way. If we buy into the gospel that is the hope for mankind, hope is on the way. If we would put our faith in you, hope is on the way. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hope is on the way. Lord, let Peter be that example for us today. That it is in you. I want to seek your face. It's in that face that I find that joy that I need. Lord, I pray for those that have walked in this room discouraged. Those that are listening that are discouraged. Those that have lost battles, I feel like this is worth throwing in the towel. No, no, and no, no, no. God, let them know that hope is on the way. Lord, there's some that are praying today their spiritual 911. There's been a, an accident, there's been a mistake, there's been something that has taken place. What's your location? Hope is on the way. I pray that we would embrace everything you are today in Jesus' name.